All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Time Out Talk. We're your hosts, Raphael Singer. And Hunter Leon. And Hunter's back in L.A., but I'm in New York City, and I just came back from a New York Knicks game where they played the Washington Wizards, who do not have Bradley Beal currently because he's in health and safety protocols. That You're going to be hearing just that. Just like phrase. me. <laughs> yeah, Hunter also <laughs> has COVID. So you're going to be hearing the phrase, health and safety protocols a lot this episode because it's going to be a recurring theme. But the game was – it was a, it was a really good game, great atmosphere. Unfortunately, the Knicks lost uh, in a game where Kemba Walker put up 44 points, I think, um, almost a triple I double. I think it was 48. 48? It might be Yeah, 48. I thought it was more. I don't know. I sort of lost count and sort of started paying attention to the actual score itself at a certain point. Uh, and I was like, oh, shoot, we are losing. Um, Kyle Kuzma also hit two daggers, which was, you know, not great to see as a, <laughs> as a former Kuzma hater, but, um, you know, he's proven me wrong. And so let's talk about the Knicks really quick. Cause the Knicks seem to be in a bit of a slump. They started the year really hot. You know, they were like at the top of the Eastern conference and now Derek Rose is out for eight weeks. Randall's not playing as he was last year. Um, and a bunch of other players are on big slumps. Like Evan Fournier is really not playing as well as he used to. Uh, Mitchell Robinson has taken a step back on. Yeah, and like we also saw, I mean, like Kemba Walker had a great game, obviously. Like that's like a, a very all-star level, even superstar level game. But overall, he has not been a net positive for this team. Right. And the fact that it took a like nuclear performance from Kemba Walker to lose to the Wizards Without Bradley Beal, like what is what is wrong with the Knicks? And will it, are, are the Knicks going to make the playoffs? Even like, what do you think? Man, to say the Knicks won't make the playoffs with like the same team that became the four seed last year, I think that's pretty bold. But like, you look at this Eastern Conference and you see teams that have stepped up. Like Charlotte is a great example of that. I mean, the Cavs. Cavs, yeah, the um, Cavs are like a legitimate five seed at this point. I mean, look, who, what other teams would you have in there? I mean, the Sixers are obviously for real. They're not a joke. Um, the Celtics are playing a little better, but they're weak. I mean, there's definitely teams that could kick them out. I mean, when you have a worse record than the Toronto Raptors, who are a team that's rebuilding, and you're a team that's trying to contend, that's not a great sign. Yeah, and I mean, like, when the Hawks are a 10th seed right now, and we know how much talent is on that squad – like, that just shows how stacked this Eastern Conference is. And I'm worried about the Knicks. Like, starting the year, I knew that they weren't going to be a top four seed again. We talked about this, how a lot of teams made these big upgrades and the Knicks just sort of made these minor additions around the edges. But for them to be a 12 seed is really disappointing. And I'm going to lay a lot of the blame at the feet of Julius Randle, who is looking more like the Julius Randle we knew him to be than the surprise most improved player that we got last year. And I just don't know what happened because he's doing all the same things that we talked about his flaws as a player. He's very inefficient. He takes poor shots. He makes bad decisions. He's lazy on defense and really doesn't share the ball that much on offense. And now he just looks to be that player again. And it seems to have regressed significantly from his tremendous all-star season last season. I mean, the thing is with him, it's not like his numbers actually look worse. It's just his efficiency and the way he, like, just, I think 
the fact that he played so well last season might have gotten to his head a little bit. Like, the fact that he's like, I'm the man now, so I do what I want. And I feel like he's not letting the game come to him, but he's forcing the game, which is resulting in him just, like, having poor efficiency. And, like, he's just – the offense doesn't flow well. I mean, he's still averaging 20, 10, and 5. So those are, like, all-star level numbers. Are those MVP numbers? No. But those are all-star level numbers. It's like – well, look at his where do we draw the line? Look at his efficiency. When he's shooting below what, like forty-one percent, that's where as I as a big point. man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, is his play style is like he is like does these fadeaway like long twos all the time, and they're just the worst looking shots ever because he makes them like twenty-seven percent of the time. You, and, you know who this sounds a lot like? Who? Our boy Anthony Davis. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a great comparison. He, in a lot of ways, he is similar to Anthony Davis, um, in the sense that you know, he has shot, shot, shot selection with the ability to take better shots. Lazy, and it, and I think it all stems from this laziness, or maybe laziness is the wrong word, but like complacency. Like they, they just settle. You know, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. why why put my body through the turmoil of backing this guy down and getting a. a a high efficiency efficiency shot around the rim when I could just take a fade away too. And if I if I make it great, and if I don't, oh well, it was a hard shot, so you can't blame me. You know what I'm saying? But like the thing is though, like as far as Julius Randle goes, he's not a guy that's like historically been fragile. He hasn't had any traumatizing injuries in his career aside from his rookie season. But Anthony Davis is a guy who's known to be blessed. So like I can at least understand for Anthony Davis what the mental battle is. But on for Julius Randle, it's like, dude, you're young. I mean, actually, no, they're actually like. Julius Randle's older than Anthony Davis. I didn't even realize that. Um, but Julius Randle isn't a guy who's made a glass. He's a big guy. He's a tough guy. It's like you need to come with that grit. Yeah, and I mean, like, look, if you make All-NBA second team last season, and this season you're shooting 42% from the field, and you're shooting 33% from three, like, you need to step up your game. You know, that's just simply not acceptable. And – the Knicks, they're not going to be doing anything if Julius Randle keeps playing like this, you know, especially considering the amount of injuries and sideline players they have due to COVID. So the the success of the Knicks, in my opinion, really rides, rides or dies with Julius Randle. And as of right now, I'm going to make the prediction that the Knicks do not make the playoffs because of the way Julius Randle's playing. If they step it up, then sure, they might, play, they might make the playoffs. But I'm going to ride with a Charlotte – I'm going to ride with even a team like Toronto who has yeah, I trust Charlotte more for yeah. sure. Would you say would you say like Toronto has a better chance of making the playoffs as of now than the Knicks? Honestly, I just think they have like I don't know, it's hard to say. They're not as proven, but they definitely show a lot more grit as a team and have guys who have been there before. Unlike the Knicks, they have the experience who knows how they get they have been to the finals. And honestly, I'm trusting like I'm trusting the system of Toronto more than the system in New York. Cause yeah, I was going to say, do you think Tom Thibodeau has anything to do with this? Look, I think it, it is sort of part of that. There's a lot of comparisons you could draw between the Knicks and the Lakers because like Frank Vogel, Tom Thibodeau is supposed to be a defensive minded coach and the Knicks were what, like a top five defense last season. And we saw that there was an intensity, every possession, you know, no open shots. I saw today with my own eyes, like at least 10 wide open threes from, uh, you know, 
Denny Avdia, from Davis Bertans, from Corey Kispert. Like, great shooters getting wide open looks. The Knicks Even last year were never letting that. Even Kuz, yeah. Kuz had two wide open threes to seal the game. And I think losing some of that defensive intensity is that a lot of that is on the players. You know, they got to give more effort and really be like hustling more. But also, that you have to lay some blame with the coach. So I don't know when, when we're approaching the trade deadline. Uh, eventually, you know, it's coming around soon. I don't know how soon, but like you, the Knicks front office has to evaluate whether this is a coaching change or whether the or a coaching issue or whether it's a player personnel issue, you know? Honestly, I think, again, with the Knicks and Lakers comparison, they both gave up a lot of their grit, a lot of their defense, and they tried to bring in something that hasn't worked for them in the past. And I think that's really showing. As a coach, I think that's something that's really hard to, like, change. I mean, we're pretty tough on these coaches, as we should be, because, you know, they're the ones who really set these schemes. But at the end of the day, it's the personnel on the floor that makes you look good. Like, if your guys are hitting shots, you're going to compliment the coach. Like, that's how it works. So it's, like, up to these players to hustle on defense and get to their rotation and get to their spot so the coach doesn't look bad. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree with that. And the point that you brought up about the importance of coaching in the league, you can't really over overstate how important coaching is in terms of, like, making a team look good and making players look good. You know, well, I think uh, for this, I think back to the Milwaukee Bucks when they were coached by Jason Kidd. And Jason Kidd tried to run Giannis as the point guard. And you would have never guessed this guy would be a generational-type talent, you know, a, a top 75 player all-time two-time MVP, defensive player of the year, NBA champ, finals MVP. By the way, Jason Kidd was playing him. Then guess what? They changed the coach, bring in a new system with Mike Budenholzer, and he wins all these, you know, flashy accolades. So coaching is no small conversation. It's, it is a big part of the game. And so we have to treat it with the same seriousness as you do with uh, with players, in my opinion. Obviously, yeah, I mean, look at the Hawks last year. I mean, they started so poorly. It was with Nate McMillan, right? Um, or did they, I think they brought in Nate McMillan. I think they yeah, started right. here with um, I can't remember his name right now, but yeah, that's a great that's a great example of how, the importance of coaching. Yeah, yeah um, but I think that is a good place to actually move to our talk about Steph Curry. Yes. Um, so Steph, I know this is kind of old news now, but we haven't done a pod in a little bit. Um, he broke the three-point record, now beating at Ray Allen. Um, so, I mean, do you think if anybody had any doubt in their mind before that Steph was the best shooter of all time, is there any argument to be made that he isn't? Like, if, if you're so against Steph Curry, is there even an argument there? No, I mean, there's no argument now. Like, Steph Curry already had it unanimous, like, sealed. It was a consensus. There was no argument that anyone was a better three-point shooter than Steph Curry. And now, like, it's basically solidified. There is absolutely zero argument against that fact. Um, no, I have another question for you that we didn't have in, in the idea of this. But do you think Steph is a top-ten player of all time? I mean, like, just, like, let's list his accolades. He has the accolades. He has the championships, these three rings. No, I don't think he's a top-ten player of all time because I think – you can't just look at the numbers on their face without getting any of the context. You know, when you're looking at his rings, sure, it's impressive, 
But when you're playing with the most stacked teams of all time, and you're not even his first team was not one of the most stacked teams of all time. Okay, best best record of all time. Okay, because I mean, Steph as an individual player without Kevin Durant. Let's still look at that team. I mean, look, still unanimous first unanimous MVP. Sure. Leading three point score, best shooter of all time. Okay. Back to back MVPs. Okay. The only thing he lacks is the defensive accolades. Okay. And well, obviously he's not going to get those. No, he got the steal. He was the steals leader in 2016. But steals leader. the thing is, is that Steph Curry, we look at the playoffs, right? Okay. He blew a 3-1 lead in the finals. No one has ever done that before. That's got to account for something bad. You know what I'm saying? And then what does he do? He recruits Kevin Durant. They play in the most stacked teams of all time. Uh, where Steph Curry wasn't even the best player on those teams. Um, and I don't, I don't know if that's even a controversial statement to say that Kevin Durant was better than Steph Curry on the Warriors. Well, I think all time Kevin Durant on them just goes down better than Steph Curry all time. I'm saying as a player on those teams, Steph Curry was the second best player on the Warriors. I mean, yeah, I guess you could. I mean, it really was Steph's team because he had been there first, but Kevin Durant was the best player. Yes. Okay. So he won two championships on a loaded sequel team where no one was even remotely competitive because it was the weakest move by a superstar of all time. He has zero finals MVPs, right? And I think when you look at that sort of competitiveness of the rings, a lot of the greats had to win. That really factors into it. And I'm not trying to discredit Steph because he does have a lot of great accolades. And I think he's definitely top 20. I don't know how far down I'd have to write out a list. He goes... Because he like the more I think about it, yes, he got that steals. Um, he, he was the steals leader in 2016. He was the scoring leader, won a scoring title um, last year, and I think he won another one. I don't remember, but he he has a stacked resume. Um, in addition to being the greatest three point shooter of all time, which is no easy feat. But I, I know this is like going out on the limb here. Yeah. But let's say Clay Thompson comes back this year and the Warriors look great the Warriors are doing super well and they win this year Steph gets finals MVP that changes then, everything that changes I'm saying everything. let's in that scenario is Steph in your top 10 I think he has to be top 10 because then at that point it's like okay he's got four rings finals MVP he's done everything he's done it all at that point and mm-hmm. he's proven that he can win by himself more than once you know and that's going to be a legitimate ring because 2015 there's always going to be the big asterisk of like Okay, but there was no Kyrie and no love. So it was just LeBron versus that team. Um, yeah. If, if you look at – I think it's funny. Um, my brother makes a great point about this. The rings in 2015 and 2016 should have been a flip. It should have been the Cavs and then the Warriors if the, both teams were healthy. Yeah, no, it definitely should have been. But that's just the way fate works sometimes. But Steph Curry is such an interesting player. Um, I, I mean, no, I don't think anyone's shocked he break, broke the record. Uh, I think – the question now is like, how high is he going to go? Like, what's the number he's going to finish at? You know, because we've talked about this before. Steph Curry is a player that could play till he's like 41, just because he hasn't even reached the spot up shooter phase of his career yet, where he just is like Ray Allen on the Heat, where he just stands in the corner, catch and shoot three. And that's going to boost up his number even more. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think honestly, the only thing that's going to change about Steph's game as he ages is he's just going to run around the floor less. Yeah. And, I mean, he's just going to turn to a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, 
okay, three thousand. He's definitely gonna hit three thousand threes. He's gonna hit three thousand this year. Four thousand yeah. is is most. That's probable. I, I think it's would be likely. I think five thousand. I think he'd have to be in the league until he's probably like forty three. He'd probably have to be like the oldest guy ever, and I think that's I don't possible. Think, I don't think forty three. I think definitely if he plays till he's like forty, he could do it, just based on the rate that he's making them. And I know it's obviously going to go down, but like I think five thousand is doable. That'd be pretty crazy if he like almost doubles the next guy on the list. It's going to be one of the hardest records. Do you think it's ever going to be broken this record? I mean, it's obviously hard to say because forever is a very long time, you know. I mean, like think of it this way: like Steph changed the game; he paved the way for players to shoot the three. Um, I know this is irrelevant, but Dame made a comment. He was like. Steph and I changed the game. And I'm and I said I'm thinking in my mind, you mean Steph changed the game? Like, Dame, you kind of followed. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, um, going back to this. Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> Do you think anyone's going to be beat this record? I guess any oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, like, since he paved the way for it, I mean, you see kids all around the world wanting to be like Steph Curry, just shooting in the three constantly. So, I mean, as the game has also gone out more, only in steps like, let's say, fourth, fifth year and onward, did he really start to come out and shoot this many threes. But now, rookies are entering the league and shooting seven, eight, nine threes per game. So I think it's honestly very possible this record is broken simply because of the sheer volume people are shooting at. Yeah, and it's only going to take one generational shooter, not even generational, but one like terrific shooter who just comes to the league Everyone recognizes he's an expert marksman, and he just comes in averaging like you know 10 three pointers per game, like shooting them a game. And just due to sheer volume, like he'll he'll catch up to Steph after 12 seasons, something like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I think I, I think, I think it's possible. a beatable record, despite yeah. how impressive it is. If Steph were to do this like in the 90s, it would be like unbeatable, it would be like nobody could see it coming. Yeah, I guess this is kind of unrelated, but do you think LeBron is going to beat Kareem's scoring record? Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, he would only have to – he'd have to keep up his scoring pace, assuming he has no more injuries this year, which is unlikely. But let's say he played every game out this year. He'd need to average 26 points this year, and the next year he'd only need to average 25 points in 60 games. And then that he's there. That assumes he only plays next year. He's definitely playing more than just next year. That's crazy. I mean, yeah. So he's okay. definitely going to pass the record at this point. I think that's going to be one of the craziest moments in NBA history, you know? Everyone, Do you think Bron could get to 40,000? I don't know. I just want to see him pass Kareem first before we think about 40K, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, moving on from records to something a little bit more current right now. Um, in my opinion, this is the biggest store in the NBA right now. It's impossible to avoid, and that's the health and safety protocols, which you're in right now. Um, yes. So maybe you can give some firsthand experience. Uh, just for, like, let everyone know, I feel fine. You know, I, I'm very – I'm lucky, and I have very minimal to no symptoms, so I'm, I'm, I'm chill. Yes, yeah, so we're, we're, we're thinking of you, Hunter. Hopefully it stays that way. Um, you know, COVID is no joke, so hopefully – it's okay. Hopefully he just, you know, you know, passes asymptomatically, but moving back to the NBA, um, a lot of 
our favorite stars and a lot of the biggest names in the league right now are in health and safety protocols. Uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Trey Young, Kat, Luka, Giannis, Yaka, Fox, the list goes on. Um, and also games are being postponed now because teams just don't have enough players on the roster anymore. And so what we're seeing is, is teams signing older players, players from the G League um, to come to the league on hardship exceptions and on, you know, two-way contracts uh, to just fill up roster spots. So we're seeing – Yeah, you saw the Bulls sign Mac McClung. Yeah, and I mean, I was thinking of bigger names like um, Joe Johnson, Lance Stevenson, Isaiah Thomas. So before we talk about the health of – Wait, Joe Johnson's back in the league? (laughs) You didn't see this? No, what? Yeah, no, no. The the Celtics signed ISO Joe and – Oh, you know what? I saw a clip of that on Instagram. I didn't realize it was actually Iso Joe. I thought yeah, it was it like is. some joke. Yeah. Oh my god, that's crazy. Forty-year-old Joe Johnson still getting buckets in the NBA. <laughs> that's funny. So, I guess my question to you, Hunter, would be: Who? What other players would you like to see come back to the league? Uh, you know, retired players. What are you thinking? I'd like to see a Chris Bosh return to the NBA. Really. I think that would be cool. I think it's unlikely, but I'd, I'd love to see that. What? LeBron's still in the league, and they were in the same draft class. So Yeah, I know. I mean, the thing is with him, I know he has some sort of issue um, with his heart or with his blood maybe. So I'm not sure if he would be able to, like if he's immunocompromised or anything like that. But I think that would be a cool guy to see back in the league. Um, I have a question about you know, that. MJ. Wait, MJ, I I'm sure. I got a question about that first, Mr. Bosch. Chris Bosh has already been inducted into the Hall of Fame. So would that like add to his Hall of Fame resume if he decided to come back? I, I think he's <laughs> just due to health issues or whatever. Cause I'm pretty he had to retire prematurely. So I know that yeah. like, he's probably not able to play at all, like just physically. But I'm curious, how would that work if a Hall of Fame player decided to come back to the league? You know? I mean, I haven't really thought about that. I only I don't think it would change like his Hall of Fame status or anything before? like that. No chance. No way that's ever happened. Hey, man, Michael Jordan might come back. Yeah, you know, and there was, like, supposedly MJ wanted to make a return to the NBA at 50 years old, like, 10 years ago or something. <laughs> after yeah, he I'm, beat, like, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist in a one-on-one. I can see Michael Jordan still getting buckets in the league today, even at, like, six or whatever. Yeah, point two points uh, in the steal. I think – what if Dwayne Wade came to the came to the Lakers? Let's let's think about this really quick. Nah, nah, I don't want to even think about that. Dwayne Wade uh, let's, sucked. Let, let's think about this really quick. Dwayne Wade Dwayne sucked Wade. in Cleveland. He sucked in Cleveland. We, we're not thinking about Cleveland. We're talking about last year. You know, farewell to Dwayne, 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 Wade, Dwayne Wade's got his gig going. He's got he's got this uh, show. He's on TNT. He's doing this thing. You he know definitely. What? But still, like, okay, maybe not. What about what about Kyle Korver? You know, I know he's like an analyst now, but like, he could still just sit in the corner, shoot some threes. That doesn't take much skill. I mean, Kyle Korver's a guy I could see coming back. You know, what about Dirk Nowitzki? Jeremy Lin. Jeremy Lin, yo, that would be sick if Jeremy Lin came out. Came yeah, back. I think that would be a good one. Honestly, he, I feel like he does deserve an NBA spot. Um, Mike Beasley. I didn't even think of him. He's Mike, a guy who guy. Yeah, that's I could see him on like the Thunder, low key, like just the Thunder. 
because they have no players and they're all in COVID protocols, and he just gets like 15 points per game because he's just taking all the shots. Yeah, do you think Lance could come back? Lance it did come back. He's on the Hawks. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he tapped I, out I of the league, bro. Being in the CBA. I was thinking of him being in China still. No, he went to the G League, and then he got called up, and then he uh, went to the, the Hawks. Yeah, what NBA players are in China? Maybe there's any of those that could come back. Uh, Jimmer, should we get Jimmer for debt back? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, no. Well, while we're talking about um, like players who are out of the league but are back now, let's talk about Isaiah Thomas really quick because he's played a, a few games with the Lakers. What have you seen from IT, and do you think he, he deserves a spot in the league? I mean, IT is a guy – he and Jeremy Lin are in the same boat to me. It's like both guys who like I feel like were undeservedly like removed from the league. Um while Isaiah Thomas definitely has a large flaw in the fact that he's so undersized that he basically provides no defensive presence whatsoever. Um, as long as he's providing some offense, he's like good to keep on the floor. Cause sometimes he can like just light up. Um, you saw in his first game back, I think he actually started for the Lakers and put up like 30 points and was the highest score for the night. It was like nineteen. It was nineteen. Oh, was it? Was it nineteen? Okay, I guess it nobody was the highest score. It was against the Timberwolves. Yeah, right, right. Nobody scored that night, but he was the highest score. And he comes back the next game and shoots one for thirteen, or one for like, no, THT shot one for thirteen. I think he was like one for nine, or somewhere around there. So he also shot pretty inefficiently. Um, but I mean, like, I feel like he's a guy similarly to. Um, Malik Monk, we're just going to have to feel out the matchup that night, make sure there's a guard that's on the opposing team that isn't going to just gas him up. Um, I mean, uh, not even on the Lakers. Do you think, like, he belongs in the league, period? Like, you feel Oh, like yeah, 100%. That? There's definitely a place for him in this league. Fair enough. Fair well, enough. Well, I mean, like, if there's guys out there, like, I don't know, end of the bench guys who, like, just have a roster spot to have a roster spot, not even, like, play – why can't Isaiah Thomas be that guy? You know what I mean? Like, at least Isaiah Thomas can possibly come into the game and actually light it up. But your end of the bench random guy isn't. What do you think? Do you think a guy then, because a guy who, to me who feels similar to Isaiah Thomas in that sense of being like an offensive flamethrower, but no defensive help whatsoever, is Jamal Crawford. Do you think he deserves another shot? Jamal Crawford currently in the NBA. Yeah. Dude, he's like 43 now. He's not 43. Jamal Crawford's like 40. But the last NBA game he played, he had like 50. Yeah, wait, he's okay. He's 41, but still. What? I, I think like I just don't think he'd want to come back to the NBA. Like he had a pretty solid career, you know, nice retirement. I think he's happy. I know. I think he definitely wants to come back. He's still playing basketball and stuff. Like, he definitely, like, if he was offered a contract, you know this man would suit up immediately. But Okay, why not then? Why not? Well, you like, brought up THT, though. Oh, sorry. You want to just finish your thought really quick? Yeah, no. It's just like, why not, like, bring back all these guys? I think it would just be fun as a, like, for the fans. Yeah, no. And it's, it's not like you even have to bring them up on, like, you can give them non-guaranteed contracts. You just pay them by the game. Yeah, or just give them a little 10-day contract, see how it works out. Um, but you brought up THT, and I just wanted to – Say, say this tweet uh, th- that I saw that I actually think really sums up his game. So 
it goes like this. So it's if you want dribbling, look at Kyrie. If you want shooting, look at Curry. If you want finishing, look at Giannis. If you want mid-range, look at Kawhi. If you want defense, look at Draymond. If you want none of that, look at THT. Yeah, I think the finishing is a little unfair. He can finish. <laughs> no, I know. It's a joke. No, dude, but, but, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, people are going to throw hate at THT just for, like, not being what we want him to be. But, like, think of it this way. As, the, like, the only young guy on the team. Uh, there are other guys who are younger, but they f- have more experience as players and, like, have been around a little longer and learned from other guys. But THT, he's just, like, expected to do so much. And as a young guy, young guys make mistakes, right? But his mistakes are going to be so much louder just because he's, like, the only young guy and people have all of their eyes on him. Well, also the fact that, you know, the Lakers forego- for- foregoed? Is that a word, forego? I know forego is a word. Anyway, they neglected to trade him for a bunch of – like really high value players, namely Kyle Lowry. Like he was untouchable in that deal. And he was really the linchpin that would have made that deal happen. So like we could have had Kyle Lowry on this team instead of Russell Westbrook and still had more of our, uh, more of the roster we had from last year. So that's why he's judged so harshly. It's like, okay, like we know what we gave up. So what are we getting? You know, and and we're, we're getting a guy who's shooting one for 13 from three then, you know, it, it, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we really miss AC, the, the bald eagle. But I enough think- Lakers talk because we're going to – I could already see I, – I could already see what was going to happen. We're going to talk about the Lakers for 10 minutes. So let's talk about the NBA more generally because we were talking about health and safety protocols. There's been a lot of discussion about what the league should do, ranging from the league should shut down for two weeks – the league should stop testing asymptomatic players. There should be another bubble. So what do you think the, the league should do about these current, the current spike in COVID cases? Uh, I think what the NBA said uh, was great. Like when they were asked questions about Omicron um, and like what they're going to do about like the COVID cases and stuff, they basically were just like, you know, COVID's here to stay. We just got to live with it. And we're going to continue on and we're going to just, you know, postpone these games that we need to, but life is going to continue. And I think that's the right attitude for one as a business, as a business, but also I think that's just healthy for like the players. Cause like if you sideline these players and like have to create a whole new bubble or do anything like that for one, that's going to be really expensive, like for a business to do all of that again. But like these guys who play are going to get either rusty, like it's going to lead to a lot more injury. It's like, I think it's, it's the way the NBA is functioning right now is probably the best it could be. I agree with that. And I mean, I think that it is really unfortunate that it has to happen close to Christmas and a lot, it's affecting a lot of the big stars. So you're seeing games where like nobodies are playing basically or games that are being postponed. But I think it's the, the best possible solution from a really difficult situation because there's really no good answer here. Like a bubble would be a terrible logistical nightmare and the players don't want it. Nobody wants a bubble, basically. Not the fans don't want it, but it would like theoretically keep people safe again. Yeah, um, the players don't want, it especially. I mean, they that because instead of like some of the league going, not only some league, but the guys who were there for like multiple months, like three, four months. Can you imagine telling them, yeah, you're gonna have to just basically go back to like this prison? It's not like actually prison, but it's like 
if you want to like play, if you want to earn your money, whatever, you have to basically just come with us to this place where you're not allowed to see anyone. Your family's not allowed to come except like on visitation once a month. And like, you're stuck here only with other NBA players. Yeah. It's like, that's pretty harsh. And to expect like all NBA players to agree and become to consensus. Oh yeah. That sounds like a great idea. Let me leave the comfort, like the comfortability of my home and just go move into like some hotel. Like, yeah, I, I don't think the the league definitely doesn't want that because the amount of money they would lose out from like not selling out stadiums is would be big, and so I don't think anyone would want that. So I think the best solution is just okay, you know, we'll take good precautions if people test positive, uh, we'll test the players, we'll try to prevent the spread, but life goes on. You know, we got to keep playing, we got games to play. And if you're sick, you know, we'll be, you'll be in isolation. Then you'll come back and you'll keep playing. And that's just the way it's going to go. So I think that's what I think. And that's what the NBA thinks. So I think that is really the best, uh, best way forward as of right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going back to the Christmas games you're talking about, let's just go over these matchups and, you know, see if they're going to be exciting, like just how you think they'll go. Um, so to start, let's talk about the Hawks versus Knicks. I think this is going to look a lot different than how it looked last year. So why don't, why don't you tell me how you think this game is going to go? I think this is actually still going to be a good game because, first of all, this is at Madison Square Garden, so it's going to be great atmosphere. Um, I won't be at that game, unfortunately, but, you know, it is going to be fun. And I think also the fact Trey Young is out is going to make this a much more even matchup because the Knicks, as of right now, are not the best team. And I would say the Hawks, fully healthy you know, firing on all cylinders are a much better team than than the Knicks. But without uh, Trey Young, it's gonna make it's gonna even things out a little bit. Even though the, the Knicks are missing RJ Barrett, they're missing Nerlens Noel, they're missing Derrick Rose. So I think this is gonna be sort of the the tale of two depleted rosters. But that's gonna lead to like a slug slugfest, like just a gritty blow for blow battle because these teams have some bad blood, and the fans are going to be absolutely crazy because they do not like the Hawks uh, from what they did to them in the playoffs last season. Yeah, I think this is going to be a fun game for sure. I'm agree with you. And why I said I think it's going to be a little different than how it turned out last year was because, like you said, Trey Young is out in this game. So I think if the Knicks want to make a statement, they want to be like, hey, guys, we're like not giving up. This is the game to win. Yeah, and I think this, is, this would be a big statement win for the Knicks and could really mark – a a turning point in their season where they're like, okay, we're going to stop, you know, stop not giving like 90%, stop giving 80% and really just go hundred percent, get, get back to being a top defensive team again and start picking it up again. Mm-hmm. Um, Next matchup Celtics Bucks. What do you think of this one? Well, again, this is another game that's really been affected by health and safety protocols because we're not going to be having Giannis in this game. I think uh, that's what it's looking like. So without Giannis, uh, one guy who's really stepped up is Drew Holiday. I think he's been averaging like 30 points in Giannis's absence. And obviously, uh, other guys have stepped up too. I saw DeMarcus Cousins had a great game. He had like 15 points, eight rebounds, something like that. So he's really been finding his footing. Uh, other guys, Jordan Nawara. Uh, like a lot of like of the auxiliary pieces have really stepped up without Giannis. So I think this is still going to be a close matchup. The Celtics have sort of dominated the Bucks this year. And so I would say that this one is going to be another Celtics win because I think, you know, 
Celtics have just sort of had the Bucks number this year. And without Giannis, it's just going to make it even more lopsided. So I expect a big game from Tatum and uh, a Celtics win. Uh, and you also, know, that's interesting because I disagree with you here, actually. But actually, go ahead and finish. I was just going to say, like, what do you, who do you think is winning the Hawks next? Because we got to give our predictions, too. Oh, I think the, I think the Hawks are going to still win that one, even though I think the Knicks are going to really try. Okay, I'll go with Knicks. I'll go with Knicks, just so we have some, some balance. And I think the Knicks are Yeah, gonna... so I actually disagree with you on this one again. I think even without Giannis, the Bucks win this one. Um, just an interesting comment. Tonight, Boogie had 22 points and eight rebounds in 27 minutes. Just like to say respect to Boogie, having a great game. But anyways, even without um, Giannis, I think this team just has – more dogs and I mean you look at the Celtics team and they might have been like beating up on the the Bucks in for the most part in, in general but like you think so highly of Tatum and while I agree that Tatum's an incredible player it's just like the Celtics don't use their stars right and they don't give them the supporting cast whatsoever to like get anywhere and I just think that this Bucks team can outsmart them I disagree I think that you know, they are going to feel the absence of Giannis. And I think this game is really going to highlight that because no no one's really going to be able to shut down Jason Tatum. And he already knows how to score against this team. I think in the last matchup they had, he scored 42 points. And so I expect another big game from Jason Tatum. And also don't forget about Jalen Brown. I think, you know, missing uh, Enes' freedom is going to be really, really challenging for the Celtics. I'm joking about that. I just want to say his name. How funny is that that Ennis Cantor changed his name to Ennis Freedom? Um, yeah, it'll catch on. I think it'll be like a Metal World Peace kind of thing. Maybe. I doubt it. Um, you don't think it'll catch on? I'm not, I do not think so. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I, I do think the Celtics are going to walk away with this one. I think it'll be a pretty convincing win, too. Okay. I think it'll be close, but I do think the Bucks walk walk away with this one. What do you think about uh, the next matchup, uh, Warrior Suns? Man, this is such a great game. The Suns had their their number in the first game, and the Warriors got in the second game, right? That was how it went last time. I believe so. Yeah, sounds about right. Do we have any players out for health and safety protocols, or have we got full squads? Um, I think the notable absence is really going to be Clay Thompson because they were expecting him to come back Christmas Day, but that's not going to be the case. Yeah, man, I still think that uh, Warriors win. I just think that'll be a great game overall. I think Steph is going to have a big game. I think a Christmas Day game, Steph is going to want to shine a little bit. Yeah, I, I would say that I think that the Warriors are going to win as well. You know, they've been they've gone back and forth when they've played. I just think Steph's going to go off. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this is in San Francisco. Do you know? Um. I do not know. Let me check right now, though. It'll take me a second. Okay, because uh, I don't think it's going to play a huge factor, but, you know, Christmas Day games, the fans are always, like, really into it. Um, it's actually – no, no, it's in the Valley. It's in Phoenix. All right, well, I'm to disregard everything I just said. I still think the Warriors are going to win this one. Uh, I think Steph Curry is going to go off. Um, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm just such a fan of this Warriors team. I think – what we're looking at here might be a Western Conference Finals preview. For as, as much as that hurts me to say as a Lakers fan, I think, it's the, I think it's the truth. All right. Moving on to the next game. We have the uh, 
Nets and the Lakers. Both very depleted teams. Who do you think okay, is going to win? Don't say that because, um, wait, we we don't have Anthony Davis still, right? He's not going to be back. No AD, and I think James Harden is he cleared now? I think James Harden is cleared, but no Kevin KD in no Kyrie, obviously. Yeah. So, I th- this is a hard hard one, but I I do think Lakers pull this one out. Simply yeah. because I just think James Harden with a bunch of bums isn't going to get it done. I love that we've, we've, we now have to call like the rest of the squad, like, you know, your Blake Griffin, your LaMarcus Aldridge. <laughs> They're bums, Bruce Brown. Without Kyrie Irving, I honestly think Kyrie's a difference maker for a lot of these guys. Um, without Kyrie, they're just a bunch of bums. They're back to their, you know, Blake's back to his Detroit days. Paul Millsap looks like he's 50 years old. Yeah, I agree. You know what's and interesting is the, the one who retired, the Marcus Aldrich, is the only one who looks like remotely decent. That's actually true. Um, it's just like kind of sad to see because we had very high expectations. But moving back to the matchup, I think that LeBron is going to go off this game because did you know this game he could pass Kobe for the all-time leading scorer in Christmas Day games. So I think he's really going to try hard to to beat that. And um, I think that the Lakers are going to play. I think some of the supporting cast is going to step up to help him. I would say like a guy like Carmelo Anthony might have a big game. He knows how to step up in big moments. Um, I think a lot of the Lakers success hinges on DeAndre Jordan. And what I mean by that is like, if we play DeAndre Jordan, we will lose. But if we don't play DeAndre (laughs) Jordan, we're going to win. So that's going to be a big thing to look out for. Uh, but I think this I think this is gonna be a good game. I don't think it's gonna be a great game. I think it's gonna be really ugly to watch. No, I think this game's honestly gonna probably be the worst Christmas Day game, just because it's gonna be sad. It's like oh, the Nets team looks awful, and the Lakers look just as awful, but the Lakers have more star power. Right, and it's also sad because it's like, what if you know? Like I wish I could have seen KD and LeBron go head to head. Yeah, I mean, and, and like, I would love to have seen the, both of them have full squads. I would love to see AD play and Kyrie play, you know, but it's what it is. So who are you taking, Lakers or, or, or Nets? Like I said, I think I'm taking Lakers, and I don't even think this one is going to be close. I'm taking the Lakers, too. Um, moving on to the last matchup, Mavericks versus Jazz. Ooh, I feel like this is, like, as far as, like, the matchup goes, like, this is probably one of the weaker, like, rivalries, quote-unquote, you could say, because these two teams really don't have anything, like, against each other. Yeah, I'm, I was a little confused about, like, why they made this matchup, you know? But um, I think the Jazz will win this one. They've just been – they look good since, I don't know, maybe 10 games ago. They've really gotten back in their groove. And the Mavs look like they're the same old story with – just Luca not getting enough help. And I believe Luca's also in health and safety protocols right now. Yeah, he's going to be out. So I think this is going to be, I, in my opinion, this is going to be the worst game. I think it's going to be like a 23 point win for the Jazz because we, they're, they're really like they've entered prime, you know, mid season mode where they're just like in regular season dominance. And the Mavs have been struggling up and down. And without Luca, it's just like, what's even the point of watching this game, you know? Yeah, honestly, why couldn't we have gotten a game like maybe like the Miami Heat, Chicago Bulls, like two teams? That would like, be a great game. It's a team like I, I feel like a game with, like that would have been so much better than you or know whatever. Like, 
or or have a game with the with the reigning MVP. You know, where's the love for Jokic? Yeah. What I about mean, what about I the Sixers Nuggets? Like that would be a good game. Or even like you could have like these teams that they matched up against each other aren't very young. You could even do like a Hornets like Grizzlies game, like something young and that'll fun. be really exciting. But instead, we're left with Lucas Mavericks versus the Jazz. Nice. So excited for this one. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh boy. I'm definitely watching all three hours of that game. Oh, definitely. Um, and the commercials. I'm going to watch the commercials too, just because, you know, I can't miss a second. The commercials might be better than the actual game itself. Oh, 100%. If we have that weekend, because then we can see that Zion Williamson, uh, who else was in that? Zion Williamson, Zach Levine, Mountain Dew commercial. Oh, I don't need to see any more of that. <laughs> what if they like, like re release that ad, but like Photoshop Zion to be a little skinnier? I think they already did that in the original, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but, anyways, I think that's a good place to call it. This is a great episode. Sure. Um, we know next episode we record, is it going to be before the new year? Uh, yeah, I think we can do yeah, one before New Year's so. for sure. Um, yeah. so in that case, I'll just say. Hope you all have very happy holidays and a Merry Christmas. Um, hope you spend time with your family and enjoy, you know, this special time. Rafa, what about those people out there who celebrate Kwanzaa, dude? That's why I said happy holidays. Happy holidays. When is, when is Kwanzaa? It's the day after Christmas. Is it? Yeah. Um, anyways, Merry Christmas, everyone, and happy holidays. Thank you all yeah, so definitely. much. Definitely. And we will see you all next week. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.